Today on The Ticker Tapes, we hear from Nathan, who, throughout his teenage years, experienced what he felt was a stronger-than-normal heartbeat. After insisting that his heart function didn't feel as it should, Nathan was found to have a leaking bicuspid aortic valve, which led to pioneering keyhole replacement surgery for him at the age of 30. Again, it comes back to why I'm such a big fan of charities like the British Heart Foundation because all the research, the technology and the skills that surgeons have now, I was able to have the surgery through the side of my chest rather than breaking my ribcage. And that's the surgery that I had. From the British Heart Foundation, I'm Rob Underwood. On the ticker tapes, we hear from people living with heart and circulatory conditions. In this episode, Nathan tells of his persistence as a young man in finding the reason which led to his eventual diagnosis. Nathan, some six months or so now since your heart surgery, it's been quite a journey so far for you, hasn't it? How would you describe it for you personally? Eye-opening is probably the word that I'd use for it. Um, You kind of prepare for surgery and I've known about needing surgery now for about the last 10 years Mm. but it's not until you actually go in for the operation it's until you realize how precious life is Um, so yeah I'd I'd probably say eye-opening in terms of how I'd 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 describe it yeah what does it mean to you now to be able to tell your story I think the biggest thing for me now is to be able to tell people that you're going to be okay and you've not got to worry so before the operation and obviously over the years uh, finding out I needed heart surgery and then the lead up to it there was always that thought in the back of my mind what about if something happens what about the pain after the operation what about if something goes wrong what's it going to be like in terms of the scar the pain after And 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 the list goes on but to be able to say now to people that actually it's not as bad as you think and you're going to be absolutely fine, I just want to tell everyone, anyone that's suffering from a heart condition, anybody that's um, got somebody in their family or a friend that's that's suffering from something similar, to be able just to pass that message on that you're going to be absolutely fine and you're going to be in good hands that's what this means to me now it's it's yeah it's it's been an an inspiring journey it's been eye-opening and I just want to let as as many people as 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 I can know that yeah you'll be absolutely fine tell me some more about yourself work interests hobbies and so forth yeah so my main hobbies are I love walking so I try and get the 10,000 steps in a day I don't always achieve that but I do try and get out on a daily walk uh, to keep it active and, and fit in terms of running or anything like that I've had to give that a miss over the years because of my heart and not wanting to push it too far but yeah I, I try and walk as much as I can spending time with friends and family very close with my granddad so me and my granddad tend to go on a weekend drive through the countryside go for a coffee and an ice cream or a, a scone and uh, he sings along to ABBA in the car <laughs> and uh, yeah so they're what I, I, I do in my my spare time and uh, and at the weekends 
and my day job, I'm a financial consultant. So I provide advice to families on their pensions and, and, and wider wealth. And I think, yeah, I think with obviously the heart condition before when I was speaking to clients about enjoying their wealth and, and sort of providing them with the comfort of doing that before I was coming in as I'm a, a young lad and they're probably thinking, well, you're not in my position. We've saved all our life and you're coming in telling us to, to spend it or to do something like that with it. Whereas now I've got the experience of being going through something like a heart surgery and being able to actually relate to those clients now that life is precious um, and you only get one life and it's about enjoying it. So I kind of have found the journey that I've just been through quite powerful in that sense as well. Let's talk about your story and let's go back to your younger years when you first realized that maybe things weren't quite right as far as your heart was concerned. Yeah, so when I was at school, I noticed that I had quite a strong heartbeat so I didn't feel poorly with it or anything like that, but I just felt that I had quite a strong heartbeat. And if I was in the shower, for example, I could see my heart beating through the skin. So not massively, it wasn't like pounding out my chest, but you could definitely see that it was a strong heartbeat. And I thought I'd best get this checked out because my dad and a few other people in my family have suffered with heart conditions. So I went to the doctors and, and just mentioned it. And I was told that it's nothing to worry about because having a strong heartbeat is is a good thing. They'd be more concerned if it was a soft heartbeat or if I had low blood pressure or, or something like that. So they didn't really have any concerns with it. And then as the weeks went by, because I'd noticed it, I just felt, no, something must be wrong here. Like, I don't understand why it's doing that because I, I'd speak to people that I went to school with and they'd say, oh, it's really strange. Yes, it is got a really strong heartbeat. Um, so I kept going to the doctors. They did sort of blood pressure. They listened to my chest, et cetera, but they didn't have any concerns. And in the end, they asked me to stop going to the doctors because there was nothing wrong. As time went on, my blood pressure was increasing so my blood pressure was increasing, but they then put that down to stress and anxiety. So they said it's because you're at a doctor's, you've, you feel there's something wrong with your heart. So that's probably stressing you out. And you're at school as well. So you've got exams coming up, uh, all of these different things that can affect uh, your blood pressure. So again, it was just kind of part to the side. There's nothing wrong. You don't need any further testing. So that's what happened for quite a few years of just there's nothing wrong don't 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 be worried and how did that make you feel the fact that you knew you sensed there was something wrong but you you kept being told that there wasn't I think just wanting reassurance I felt that a blood pressure test wasn't enough in order to rule it out so it didn't give me the comfort that everything was okay and even though I was at the doctors, I didn't feel stressed. And I know that a lot of people probably feel that way, that, well, actually, I feel fine. There's I, I, there's nothing to worry about. I just felt something wasn't right. And I just wanted some kind of test to rule it out completely. Because to me, a blood pressure test and listening 
to my chest and and and, and obviously listening for any murmurs or anything like that it didn't really give me a hundred percent confidence that I was okay and how did it affect your day-to-day life in terms of physical limitations I think being a young lad my friends were at the gym and I'd sort of join the gym with with them and I noticed that when I was lifting weights I'd go really lightheaded and I'd get really breathless so I didn't feel how a normal young lad would feel if he was lifting weights I shouldn't all my other friends was fine they was lifting weights wasn't impacting them them at all but with me it was struggling for breath and feeling a bit dizzy and lightheaded and my again the the heart was pounding after lifting weights because of the pressure so again that just knocked my confidence a little bit that there must be something wrong here so how did things unfold from there Nathan I just kept going doctors um, and just saying, please, can you do something? Can you do, do do an ultrasound? Can you do a scan? Is there anything you can do? And they mentioned that they could do an ECG. So that would trace the heart and look at the um, the rhythm of the heart, et cetera. But again, it didn't show what I had. So I had a leaky valve. There was nothing wrong with the the way my heart was beating or anything like that it was it was just the valve was leaking so it wasn't picked up on the ecg it wasn't picked up on the uh, blood pressure monitors that there was something wrong so it was just a case of asking the doctors is there something they can do because i shouldn't be getting dizzy uh, by going to the gym i shouldn't uh, my, my heart shouldn't be pounding the way that it was uh, i just I just I just knew something wasn't right so I just kept going doctors and saying please can you just can you do something just rule it out 100% so I just yeah I, I just kept going to the doctors so how long was it before it was officially diagnosed so I went through school finished school through college and I just started uh, in, in the job that that I'm doing now so I just started a new job and it wasn't long after that in 2013 that I was on lunch sitting there with my new work colleagues and all of a sudden my hearing kind of blurred out a little bit my vision went funny and I just felt that something was going to happen I felt that I was going to pass out everything around me just went into a complete blur but just starting a new job with new work colleagues I didn't want to concern anybody and I've been told by the doctors for years that there's nothing wrong don't worry about it so I didn't want to create this scene where I created panic uh, amongst my new colleagues and my new employer so I, I kind of let the episode that I was having pass and then I acted like nothing was wrong went back to work and carried on the rest of the, the, the day and it was after the um after after that day that i went to the hospital and told them about what had happened and that's when they did a different test on me so they reviewed a ultrasound scan which i'd had a couple of weeks prior so they reviewed that scan and they was able to confirm that i have a bicuspid aortic valve and that that was leaking and they also mentioned that my aorta the main artery of the heart was also dilated so 
it was at that point that I was finally told that there is something wrong and it became apparent that something needed to be done uh, to replace that valve. How do you remember feeling when you, you were given that news? It was scary because I'd just started a new job. I was really excited. I'd been told for years, I'd kind of just got my head around it that actually I'm probably okay. And the the doctors had finally uh, confirmed that they would put me through for that ultrasound. So I'd had that ultrasound just a couple of weeks before I had the funny turn. And during that ultrasound, I wasn't told that anything was wrong. So they didn't seem concerned. And that kind of gave me a little bit of confidence. So when I went to the hospital after, I was only really going just to double check. I even parked in the 20-minute bay because I thought it would just be a case of going in. Oh. Don't worry about it. You can go home. Mm. So I was on my own. Uh, I was 20, uh, 20, 21 at the time, on my own after a day at work. And I was then taken up to a ward and I had to ring my mum. I didn't tell my mum or anyone that I'd gone into hospital after work because I'd, again I didn't want to worry anyone but I was in that hospital alone scared <laughs> scared for my life because they'd kept me in they'd wired me up to different machines and they were saying that there's there's something on the the scan that we need to look at and obviously we need to take you up to a ward we're going to need to keep you in for a couple of days so yeah I just remember being really scared and and, and worried that Actually, there is something wrong. As a charity, the British Heart Foundation depends on the generosity of donors to continue carrying out our life-saving research. Thank you to those who already give. It's truly appreciated. If you too would like to donate, you can do so by simply going to bhf.org.uk slash donate. And now back to the conversation. Nathan, it's 2013 and at 21 you're experiencing a great deal of uncertainty and anxiety about your condition, aren't you? What was decided as the way forward for you at this stage? So I was in hospital in 2013 for about a week and I was put on different medications to control the leak and the heart for the time being. I was then discharged and it was agreed to have annual checkups, so an ultrasound of the heart every year and an ECG. And I had them from around 2013 until 2018, at which point they identified that the leak was deteriorating. So I went from uh, scans every year to every six months. And then around 2019, it then changed to every three months. So as you can see, the leak was deteriorating and they decided that they needed to monitor, monitor it a lot closer. It was then 2020, so just before COVID, where they decided that they needed to keep a close eye on me. And over the next few years until 2022, it was uh, when they did, they deemed the leak to be severe. And that's when I was put forward to the Keyhole Heart Clinic. Uh, and they discussed the surgery from that point onwards. I ended up having the surgery in October 2022. So not long after that. Yeah. So tell me more about the nature of the procedure itself. So the surgery I thought I was going to be having was um, straight down the chest and open me up and then obviously repair the aortic valve. 
they was also going to look to replace the root of the aorta as well. So I was looking to have both of those done, but before the operation, when they put the they put a camera down before the operation just to have a look at everything. And luckily my aorta was was okay. And they decided just to replace the valve in the end, which was 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 a success. It's it's all working perfectly fine. But Again, it comes back to why I'm such a big fan of charities like the British Heart Foundation because all the research, the technology and the skills that surgeons have now, I was able to have the surgery through the side of my chest rather than breaking my rib cage. And I feel very lucky because it is a very new technique. Not a lot of people are using it at the moment, but it is possible. And that's the surgery that I had. So they went through the side of my right, uh, the, the the right side of my chest, and they operated and replaced the main valve. So now I have a, a valve. It's called a non-X valve. Uh, it's a mechanical valve, and that that's what I have now. Yeah. Just talk to me some more about your time in hospital, and how you coped with those emotions and the sort of things we take for granted that you weren't able to do while you were there. So obviously from the the time of being in hospital, the first time I'd been in hospital a few times after and kind of got my head around it a little bit. But then the actual surgery, which I've, I've recently had, that was completely different. So Again, there was that fear, pretty much like I had the first time around. It was that fear of, actually, this is real now. And it's like when you're waiting for something to happen and it just seems to take ages. You sit there and you watch the time ticking away. Every time somebody comes in the room, again, that fear, is that is that it now? Am I going down for the operation? And having to say, not bye, but you, you kind of say bye to your family because you're going in for the operation but for me I knew that everything was going to be okay but you always just fear that what about if it it's not okay so there was a lot of emotional uh, emotion around that and I remember just laying on the bed before the operation um, just just crying basically I was I was I was afraid Um, I had my fiance Anna with me and we kind of went into the lift we went down to ground level she said bye to me and then i went down to the basement and then i went into the the room where they prep you up so they put the um, injections in you etc and they put you to sleep but i remember just laying on that bed and i had the team around me and i was just crying just saying please look after me please like just i'm, I'm afraid and one of the the ladies there just sort of held my hand and she said don't worry you're going to be absolutely fine and it was at that point where I kind of can't remember anything else I just remember her telling me that I'm going to be okay and then I just remember coming around waking up to my family and the nurses that was going to look after me for the next the next few days in intensive care. How was your recovery? So the recovery process, I guess it's been a roller coaster, and I don't want to scare anyone when I say that because the good news is that I didn't have any pain. That was the one thing that I was scared about the most, about the pain that that, that I may have from the surgery, but 
the medication that they put you on and the way they look after you is incredible, even when you come out of the hospital as well. So there's been zero pain. I think it's just more of a inconvenience. And I know that sounds, doesn't sound very good considering I've just had my life saved. But when I say inconvenience, it's more just different things that happened, which were just complications of the surgery in the way that the surgery was completed. So I had a bit of fluid on on the lung after surgery and I had a bit of fluid around the heart as well. So that just meant that I had drains in for a little bit longer than they normally would be just to make sure the fluid come out. And then I had a few other issues just with my scar where it opened up a little bit. So there was a bit of liquid coming out of there, uh, fluids that coming out. So I just had to get that treated. Um, going to the doctors quite a few times to keep making sure it was dressed correctly and so on. And yeah, there was just a few things like that, which I guess was a bit of a roller coaster because you've just come out of that. You then find out you've got fluid on the lung or a, it's called a pericardium effusion where it's the, the, the fluid around the heart. So things like that, it just scares you again because you think, oh no, here we go again. Am I going to have to have another surgery? And what about if something's not worked properly? But again, it's, it's again, it's just in the moment things that happened is why I've explained it as a roller coaster because it, it was just those thoughts that, oh, here we go again, there's something else. But looking back now, it's I've I've recovered very well and I'm here today. So And I suppose from a psychological point of view, Nathan, you know, we talked earlier about how you prepare yourself for such a big moment in your life. There has to be an outlet for that as well, doesn't there? So what about the psychological recovery as well as the physical side? So before surgery, the way I dealt with it was getting out on different walks and making sure I spent a lot of time with friends and family just to take my mind off it. So that really, really helped me. And the day before as well, just had a really nice chill day, um, relaxing before the surgery. So that that's what I'd recommend there. And, I, and, and that was fine. After surgery, you're obviously on new medications. Your body reacts differently to certain medications. And looking back now, when I come out of surgery, I felt fine. I thought, wow, I've done really well. And I felt fine. But it was only as weeks, months went on that you start processing actually what you've just been through. And you do have down moments. So throughout the last sort of five months since the surgery, I have felt very low at times. And again, that can be the roller coaster in terms of I found something else is wrong. I'm back in hospital or I'm at the doctor's every couple of days. You can get down because of that. So my emotions have been, I'd say, a little bit up and down over the last five months. And at the time I was saying to Anna, uh, Anna, this, I just hate the way I feel right now. I just don't feel like I'm the Nathan that I was. And she said, don't worry, it's just the medication. You, once your body gets used to it, you'll be fine. But at the time, you just feel that you're in that moment. You feel that, no, that's not true. This is, <laughs> I'm going to be like this forever. But as time's gone on, I'm sort of moving out of that now. So as my body's getting used to the medication, as I've had time to reflect on what's happened, as I've got back into normality, so I'm back at work, I'm seeing my friends, I'm able to drive again. All of those things have really, really helped me. So yeah, emotionally, 
my emotions have been up and down, but as time's gone on, five months on, I'm feeling a lot better now than I was. And it's just about surrounding yourself with friends, family, talking, being open. Uh, with my employer, for example, I've told them how I felt throughout the whole process. I've been very open. And because I've been open and I've, I've, I've told people how I felt, I've had so much support that's really helped me get through it. And it's made me not worry. So if I have felt down one day, I've had the support that I need. Whereas if I'd kept that all in, I don't know where my headspace would have ended up because I would have locked it all in. Yeah, I can imagine the support from family and close friends has been invaluable to you. Finally, Nathan, a message to others facing similar lifestyle changing challenges. What would that be? I would just say uh, exactly what I said at the start, that everything's going to be okay. And whilst in the moment it seems that your world is crumbling because it does it's such an eye-opening experience and and obviously you would never want to have to go through it if you didn't have to but if if it does end up that you have to go through anything like a heart surgery or anything to do with an operation just know that you're going to be fine the support and the care that that's given to you is 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 out of this world it's just incredible and there's nothing to worry about and i guess when i listen to different uh, british heart foundation uh, podcasts like this one and I, I read on different articles about what what to expect even though you hear that and you see that a lot for me it didn't really do anything i still felt fear i still felt scared but again, it's that I've come through it now and I just want everyone to know you're going to be absolutely fine. Well, reassuring words certainly there, Nathan. And thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And of course, it goes without saying, we wish you all the very best for your future health and happiness. Thank you very much. If you have any questions or concerns about your heart or circulatory health, and you'd like to speak to a cardiac nurse on the BHF's Heart Helpline, just go to our website at bhf.org.uk slash hearthelpline, where you'll find all the contact options. You'll also find useful information on our vital research, both in the episode notes and on our website at bhf.org.uk. The ticker tapes are for the many people out there living with heart conditions, and it's for them their friends and family that we produce the podcast. If you'd like to tell your own heart story or you have thoughts on this episode, do get in touch with us by emailing thetickertapes at bhf.org.uk.